and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Shotgun Spratling and Ryan Abraham. I guess I got to start with this. Shotty Sprat, you made so, an announcement uh, today. A sad announcement. Tell the people. Sad announcement. Tell well, the people your status. I figured that Drake London was leaving, so why am I going <laughs> to stay around anymore? <laughs> um, and I was right. He just announced that he is going to declare for the 2022 NFL draft and wish the best of luck to him. Big news. Um but yeah, I'm leaving uh leaving Southern California actually. So East Coast, Shoddy. We're gonna yeah. miss you. Yeah. yeah so only uh, this this tunnel vision and probably one more tunnel vision for you. And then you're off to the East Coast. So enjoy it, people. Enjoy <laughs> Enjoy it. shotgun what we got. Yeah. And enjoy we can do a remote. Rants. We've done the remote thing, especially sure. the pandemic. We did the whole remote thing. And Ryan absolutely hated it. I did Ryan hate loved it. it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like when you were in the other room while we were in the same office. That was yeah, that was difficult as well. Well, right. guys, we've been through it. This show has made it through. But yes. But yeah, we wish you the best, Shoddy. You. you guys should watch uh listen to the family feud. Yes. Lots of news was on this. This was a big family feud. Yeah. Uh yeah. I told Kelly you gotta change the intro to your family feud. I know. Because now you're going to have Chris, <laughs> Chris Trevino. Trevino is, uh, is an official member. He's an official member. You got Shotgun. We don't know what his stat's going to be, but yeah. I, well, he'll be around. We'll yes. make sure he's around yes, in some for capacity. Sure, for so. sure, for sure. All right. Well, we have a lot to talk about. Ryan, I was just saying before the show started, I haven't seen you since the season ended. The I 2021 know. season is finally over. I think USC fans all over America are rejoicing that it's over. USC now enters a new era with Lincoln Riley. Ryan, just your thoughts about this season Ending. Yeah, four and eight, uh, the worst season. I mean, you, if you look at the SRS rankings, it's the third worst ever and the worst since uh, 1957 or something like that. I mean, it's bad. Like it, they think it's worse than the the uh, 91 team that I was around for. Um, that USC went three and eight, but that team beat Penn State. You know, uh, just that they takes uh, into consideration margin of victory and things like that. Just wasn't a very competitive team for most of the season, giving up all those points at home. So yes, I think fans are. We put up some content about the game. Recently, and fans on the message boards, usually never, they'll say like, hey, why are you putting basketball stuff up? We want to read about football. They were saying, we don't want to read about this football season anymore. And I've never seen that. Like, that's been one where they they just want this to be in the rearview mirror, yeah. move on, no more talking about the 2021 debacle uh, of the football season. They want to go forward, which is great because there was so much negativity around this football team. Um, limping to the finish. It really was cruel to make them play that makeup game because no one really seemed to want to be there. They fought, though. Like, you guys were there. I went to Vegas and covered the Pac-12 championship game. That was fun, even though it was a blowout. You know, it's not a good game. New Utah and Oregon. But that was a great environment. The, the, you know, USC is going to be going to a bunch of these. USC fans need to go to Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. It is a good time. It's a great atmosphere. I think you're going to like that. But then you guys went north. You guys went to Berkeley. Hey, I was going to go to Allegiant Stadium, and then the USC season happened. Right. Uh, the pick to from the Pac-12 South, the predictive pick for most people to make it there. And instead, especially with the schedule they had, everything was supposed to be lined up, and 
Four and eight? Four and eight. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty bad. There's some bad teams like Arizona going one and 11. That's pretty bad. We kind of thought that would be, uh, what did Colorado? I think they were four and eight also. They were three and nine or four and eight, something like that. Not good. They got four. I don't think they got four wins. Did they, did they go? To, I forget what they did. And then uh, Stanford. Three and three and nine. They were not good. Just like I told you people, even though you were mad. I do uh, believe you used a different word for that, Ryan. I called them butt, and they were <laughs> butt did. for sure. Uh, I think Arizona would be favored against them if you played right today. But, um, yeah, it was weird. It was a weird Pac-12 season. Uh, Utah gets its first ever uh, Pac-12 crown. They've won the division a few times. Three of the last four, actually. And they, they get to go to the Rose Bowl for the very first time. First time they well, were. What they've been through. I'm very happy I mean, team. amazing stuff going on there. But. There's a new sheriff in town, and that's what USC fans are excited about. They want to see what Lincoln Riley can do. And uh, literally, I think this next week, this weekend specifically, is going to have a lot to do with that because um, we talked about this before, and I've had Gerard on when we talked on the podcast. When you're trying to hire a head coach in this environment, it's hard because you wait till the end of the season, and then there's only like two weeks until you get to the early signing period. The best thing USC could have done outside of like hiring someone – in you know October, like if you hired Bob Stoops and he could start recruiting right away, if you were going to get someone that was an actual head coach right now, you had to wait till the end of the season. The best guy you could have got, I think, would be Lincoln Riley. His season ended just at the right time for not just because he's a great young head coach, but also because he's recruited this area so well, mm-hmm. had a whole bunch of commits already. So he comes in kind of guns blazing as far as recruiting goes, and you at least gives you the best chance to not just salvage the 2022 recruiting class, but to make something that's actually, you know, top 15 class, top 20 class, top 10 class, something like that. If he can do that, I think, because there's going to be roster turnover, we're starting to see it. That's going to be a huge portion of it because you're going to hit the transfer portal hard for sure. There's guys going to leave, guys are going to come in. But if you can get like a good base of the 2022 class, I don't think Oregon's going to be able to do that as much. I think a lot of their class is probably going to fall apart. You know, they don't have a head coach yet. You're seeing when these late transitions happen, it's tough to save that class. USC did the best they possibly could do, you know, with a great hire, obviously, but he's also someone that could help save the class. Yeah, and, and we'll see, can USC poach some players from Oregon? You know, they had the the Jalil-Lincoln uh, duo, uh, Jalil Florence and Jalil Tucker came up and visited USC, or I believe, no, excuse me, it was the other way around. They went down to, to visit those two in San Diego, San Diego-Lincoln. I believe they're trying to get them up for a visit this weekend this as well. Weekend. Uh, two defensive backs trying to take those guys from Oregon. Still trying to talk to T Mac, Titoroa McMillan from Servite, Oregon uh, commit. Try to take as many guys from that class as they can because not only does it help you, you, you hurt your yeah. your uh, you know the team that you've been battling with the most on the recruiting trail in, in the West uh, the last couple of years. But it, it could be a complete changing of guard. You know USC's been down for at least five years, uh, with the exception of the one Rose Bowl year. Uh, you could probably say they've been down for eight or nine or ten years. Uh, so this other teams have the chance. Now is USC's opportunity to, to retake the mantle, and they can especially do that with the fact that Oregon's changing head coaches, yeah. Washington's changing head coaches. Uh, you know, there's still that uncertainty at Arizona State. I feel like Utah's the one team that's kind of consistent right now. And hey, you have to battle them out, but it's wide open yeah. otherwise. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see what they can do on, on the recruiting trail. And it'll be unique because we'll get a full ranking now. 24-7 uh, unveiled some yes. uh, new features on the site, which is not only are we going to have 
the high school recruiting class rankings, but there is now going to be a total class rankings that will include transfers. So, you know, it's it's a it's a new world now. Yeah. As far as recruiting with the transfer portal and everything the last couple of years. So now twenty four seven has reacted to that and created a you know, we've already had transfer rankings previously, but now we'll have class rankings that include the the transfers and stuff. So we'll see because USC may they may try to sign 14, 15 guys, uh, high school guys, and then try to go to the portal and get some other guys. Yeah. Uh, or you know, they can sign up to thirty-two guys potentially this year because I believe that you get twenty-five every year. This year, the NCAA is allowing an extra seven, up to seven, one for ones. So if you lose a, a transfer, you can bring an extra one in. So I think USC will end up losing seven transfers. They've already, I think it was three so far. Plus, you got a couple of draft guys, so they're already getting really close. Um, so they could sign up to thirty-two. And that's going to be huge for Lincoln Riley if he gets up to that number because you're trying to overturn this roster. You're trying to get your own guys in there, guys that fit your system, what Alex Grinch wants to do on the defensive side. So I think that they're going to be they've – been, they've already been grinding. I don't know how Lincoln Riley has done so many media appearances <laughs> and not looked you. like death. <laughs> not looked just like oh, – You don't sleep. He cannot be sleeping. Like I know you he never sleep. He puts you to shame, Chocolate. Yeah. Like no sleep. Now, now let's, let's, let's slow down a little bit. How much recruiting's done from midnight to 6 a.m. or so? He's probably still getting to six hours in. But he might have other stuff to do. You don't know. Nah. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you guys. I mean, overall, I mean, we can get into different facets, but just recruiting alone, what have you taken away from Lincoln's efforts so far? I mean, he had his introductory press conference last Monday, and then we were on social media later that night. He had an in-home visit with Relique Brown, the five-star running back out of modern day. Relique Brown actually ends up committing to yeah. USC. What do you make of the efforts that he's made so far? I mean, it was a five, a three-day stretch, and you picked up three five-star commitments, now one from 2022, but... Uh, the you know the duo from uh, Los Alamitos High School, um, Malachi yeah, and Makai. Yeah, and uh, Malachi, you know Makai Lemon and Malachi. Yeah, so like to pick those guys up like day after day after day, you're like, okay, so you've been on the job for four days and you have three five star commitments already. Like that's the that's what you want to see from someone like Lincoln Riley. I mean, I've talked to sources that have been around that you know people that have been around him, and I I've, I've not heard anyone say anything, but he is the ultimate recruiter. He is really, really good. And at a place like USC, you can build something off of that. So um, yeah, I think it's really good news for this class. Now it's kind of slowed down the last few days, but obviously a huge weekend uh, coming up. There's going to be a bunch of visitors. So this is really the last weekend. It is the last weekend, not really. The last weekend <laughs> before the early signing period, which starts on Wednesday, which we hate, by the way. And it sounds like there's actually some news where they're, they've talked about, I think Bob Bowlesley from uh, the Big 12 talked about moving it or getting rid of it, which I think would be a lot better. Uh, I mean, even for fan interest, we talked about this on the podcast of champions, little plug with David Woods. I mean, fans would get into the February signing period and it's really hard. Well, like your team's preparing for a bowl game sure. or you're finding a head coach and like, do you care as much about the recruiting classes? So it just seems like they've shoehorned it into a really bad time. Similar to the, to how NFL is kind of a year long event. Because you have the draft and you have free agency opens, they purposely line some of those things up oh, yeah. so that you have those off-season talking points to continue, you know, continue narratives, continue the conversation, uh, and keep you in the news. College football could potentially look at it and be like, you know, if we're going to do an early signing period, why not do it in March or why not do you know why not do it in June when you know there's been this lull of time between uh, spring practices and. You know, so you get that interest going back yeah. during the summer. Maybe that's something to look at. Because I think I think they ha should have an early signing period. I think it should come before high school players' senior like year. Yeah. And that commits a player to a school. 
that commits a school to a player. No backing out if you're the school. You can't try to you know drop anyone later. So even if there's a coaching change, if a kid still wants to go to school, he should be able to go to that school. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting thing, and it will change the dynamic of college football completely because you won't see as quick of the you know the firings and hirings that you have to have because if you lose a recruiting class, you're not you're usually not making a coaching move for positive news, right? Yeah, so if you look now, sometimes you're a lower school and you lose your head coach to to a power five or something like that. That's a little bit different. But if you're a power five school, if you're getting rid of your head coach or you're bringing in a new head coach, it usually means you're not playing very well. Yeah. So you need to kill the recruiting class. Instead, you're going to potentially lose an entire recruiting class if you don't hire immediately. And so that's what you're why you're seeing, you know, the the coaching carousel typically can last a couple months. You yeah. know, it could go all the way even into February. I mentioned on the Family Feud podcast, but uh, that Ch- that Charlie Weiss was, I think he did a recruiting day event from the Super Bowl because the Patriots were still, you know, playing. They're still playing, yeah. When he was going to be hired by, uh, when he'd already been hired by Notre Dame. Uh, but that's not the case anymore. You got to no. do it immediately. You got to turn it over because you need to get, you know, get working on that immediate class. And Lincoln Riley's been grinding on it. And getting the Los Alamitos duo is great. Getting really brown is great as well. Those are flips, though. Those are ones that he'd already got committed. They'd yeah. already said, hey, I'm coming to you. I want to play in your system type of thing uh, at Oklahoma. And that makes those a little bit easier. You got to see what is he going to do? Who can he get in this class to finish off the USC class that wasn't already committed to Oklahoma, even if they do already have those relationships and stuff? How can they close this class? And can they get any linemen? Yeah. That's a huge part of this class because that's where USC has struggled. And obviously Lincoln Riley's offense is fun. And if I'm a receiver, I definitely want to play in this. If I'm a quarterback, I'm going to want to play in this. But you need offense alignment to make everything run. And you need defense alignment to create some havoc. Yeah, it might be portal, but if you can get some high school kids, that's going to help. You need a, a you need the combination because yeah. right now the potential USC loses all their upperclassmen offensive linemen. Um, you know, all their starters and stuff. You already seen Jalen McKenzie leave. Liam Jimmins is gone. Andrew Voorhees, Brett Nealon are having decisions. If you lose those, you need to kind of stack classes, though. You need some young guys that you're working up because you don't really want to be able to relying on five-star, even if you can get five-star. You don't want to be relying on freshmen, offensive linemen. But if you can get some guys that are third year, okay, and then they kind of cycle out at the same time as that those freshmen are now ready to take over, even if they're four-star guys and develop a little bit. So you, you want to kind of stack your classes a little bit differently, and it will depend on how how many guys are, are uh, uh, departing the class, whether it be NFL, transfer portal, or just you know being done with football. Because that some people – I know a lot of people um, on our message boards and uh, on Twitter and stuff, when someone says they're in the transfer portal, there's a lot of um, kind of hateful messages at times. And so you got to realize two things. One, if a guy's going into a sixth year, maybe he doesn't want to be at college anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Not everybody wants to be writing papers anymore. Some guys are like, hey, or, or and especially if they're not, if they don't think they're NFL players, maybe it's time for me to move on and start my life, yeah. and start making money. Two, they may not be, it may not be their decision. They may be getting pushed out by the staff, yeah. especially with a new staff. That happens a lot when you have a new staff come in, you know, trying to change. Uh, the the roster to guys that fit their style, guys that fit what they want to do, and that's happening at USC right now. Yeah. So don't don't go on Twitter. Four one, don't ever t- tweet at recruits. That's the number yes. one rule. Yeah. Number one, 
But if someone goes in the transfer portal, we just wish them well. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Just hope for the best for people. All you do. Yeah. We'll put more in the war room, but we uh, have learned that over the course of this week, Lincoln Riley and his staff have been meeting one-on-one uh, with USC's roster, kind of updating them on how they think they can fit uh, in this new system and whether or not maybe they should explore other options. And that's why you've kind of been seeing more of uh, transfer portal news coming up. Um, not all the names that have been told to, to seek other options have entered the transfer portal portal so make sure you stay tuned to the war room for that yeah the war room if you don't know that's for uscfootball.com our weekly every friday we've been doing this for over 20 years uh putting all the insider information nuggets in there the, the fans on the peristyle which is the premium message board at uscfootball.com look forward to it every week and they want to talk about what's in the war room what's in the war room. and if you're not a member you can do it for a buck so go into Boom. yeah sign up for a dollar for a month so there's gonna be a crazy week so for one dollar, you can get all the information you want for the next month and see what you like it. But it's uh, it's definitely worth it for the war room alone. And a dollar, come on, like mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Yeah, the next week is not only departures potentially, uh, NFL draft decisions, transfer portal, but then what are going to be the additions by next Wednesday? You know, yeah. are there going to be guys that are added to the class that commit early, or are we going to see signing day just be a potential boon for USC? Um, if I'm Lincoln Riley and somebody says, "Yeah, coach, I think I'm coming," I'm like, "Wait till wait till Wednesday." Wait till Wednesday. Yeah. You're on uh, national TV, right? Let's see if we can arrange that, you know, get you a hat thing out there. You know, if you want, put three USC hats, but you get to pick one on national <laughs> TV just to build that momentum, build that conversation once again. And I mean, he's doing all those media hits, but that's just continuing again, continuing the conversation, continuing the momentum. USC is nationally relevant again already yeah. without playing a game. Well, they played a game, but it didn't matter. Um, yeah. And, and also <laughs> the staff. game. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. And then uh, uh, there's, <laughs> he's building the staff too. So building out the staff, so oh, there'll yeah. be news for that. So yeah. this is the best time. So to much get on, stuff. Get on there. There's so much information for you. You can go for a dollar. So just do it. Like yeah. don't even, yeah, yeah. don't even think about it. I want to circle back to something we were talking about earlier, given what, Prior to the Lincoln Riley hire, we were expecting this 2022 class to be, especially for the early signing period. Is anything now post Lincoln Riley a win for USC fans, or is it offensive lineman or bust? Well, I mean, picking up a five star running back is great. Like, because fans remember, like, oh yeah, we like the the local guys, the guys that go to like modern day and stuff that are five stars. Yeah, they usually end up at USC. Like, why wasn't that happening? Like, why is Bryce Young going to win the Heisman Trophy? Uh, two, by the way, two like potential finalists. That, well, Matt Corral's not. A, a, I don't think he ended up being a finalist. But um, two former USC quarterback commits were in the final like Heisman list. You know, Bryce Young, who's the favorite to win it, and Matt Corral both committed to USC at and one point. Two so. finalists from right down the road, CJ Stroud as well. Yeah, CJ Stroud is who USC one, didn't recruit hard enough, which is crazy. So yeah, no, I think Keely, it's. It, th- when we talk about getting skill guys, the fans are like, hey, that's great, but they do want to see the lineman aspect as well. But just getting, if they got some, you know, linebackers, they got, you know, DBs that are five-star guys or, you know, highly ranked four-star guys coming in, that's a different, you know, it's different than what we've seen. It's just Clay Hilton was doing a pretty good job recruiting. Uh, you know, he had T. Martin on staff for a while. That was helpful. Obviously, uh, Dante Williams was a good recruiter, but just there was too much turmoil around the program and guys were decommitting. You had some really bad classes and this one was going to be another disaster of a class and Lincoln Raleigh comes in you know picked up one five star got rid of some of the other players and I don't know if what you guys think about that but you know he cut about half the class that was already there I mean what that tells me is you just don't want to bring in bodies and like in in this era of the transfer portal you would rather not bring in someone that's going to stick around for four or five years if you don't think they can play uh and that's their that's going to be their evaluation if they don't think they can play or not um, and the previous staff did, or that was the best they could get. 
Uh, if you don't think they can play, you'd rather get rid of them. Try to bring in someone better. If you can't, you can go to the portal and get somebody else that'll play for a couple years as opposed to having someone sit there. I mean, there's, you know, there was USC started the season with like 20 offensive linemen and, um, I think it was like 19, 19. Or, yeah, like on scholarship. And, you know, we were told from the coaches like seven guys could play. Like that's a lot of dead weight if, you're, if none of those guys develop. So, um, no, they had a couple of freshman tackles that were playing and starting at times this year. But there's a lot of guys that just haven't been contributors that have dropped off on the offensive line. And I think it seems like Lincoln Riley is going to try to avoid that. Rather not bring someone in that you have to kind of carry for four years that won't contribute. If you need to, just go to the portal and try to get somebody else. And he's proven that he can do that. He's, he's done a good job of that, too. You know, some great transfers. You know, win Heismans and stuff. That helps, you know. Definitely helps. Yeah. Shadi, your thoughts? Uh, you know, when you're talking about the guys that kind of get pushed out of a recruiting class, you feel bad for those kids, you know, that – have been committed, like Kevin Green Jr., has been committed to USC for, I think, over a year now, yeah. um, or at least since the spring, and has been the guy, been the most active recruiter. And he was excited about Lincoln Riley in the offense, but he decommits a couple of days later. That tells you yeah. that wasn't his choice. That was right. saying, hey, we, we think we're going to find other receivers. Um, so you feel bad for a guy like that who's been recruiting for USC and through all this terrible season has been trying to get other players to come join him, and he just gets pushed out. Unfortunately, that's the business of college football now. Yeah, This wouldn't happen 20 years ago because 20 years ago there wouldn't be a hire and a fire You know the, the way this process played out for USC and right before a, a, signing, day, um, uh, um, a signing day period opens. Yeah, I think in general with stuff like that, and I think he's a great kid, and you know he probably could have played here, but obviously the, the staff thinks differently. When you make the kind of bad hires that USC's made from the president to the athletic directors, like guys that didn't really know what they were doing, to you know head coaches, uh, assistant coaches, you've lowered the bar. And then you get to the point where you're like, hey, I, when the bar lowered, I'm like in the USC, I'm in like, you know, top five job range, you know, and no, you're not like they, they, they just have USC hasn't treated this like a blue blood program for quite a while. And now they've made the steps. Mike Bone comes in, puts the investment into the program, and they are now treating this like a blue blood program. And the fans are really excited about it. They bring in a blue blood worthy coach for the first time in you know a long time since Pete Carroll basically, and so now this is what you have, and it's going to change the game. So stuff that used to fly isn't going to fly anymore, and it's going to take some getting used to. There's going to be staff, coaches, whatever. Like it's changing, you know, and it's not their fault. Like they were doing a good job for what they were doing. There's, I think, there's a lot of great assistant coaches that are on that were on Clay Helton's staff, the guys that I liked. But you know, you were part of that culture, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of holdover, you know, going forward. It's just because you've raised the bar back up again and now the game changes where you're like, oh, that guy was pretty good. Well, Lincoln Riley's not going to try to hire someone that's pretty good. He's going to try to hire the best of that position. And that's, we haven't seen USC do that for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of coaching movement, the only official announcement we've gotten is from defensive line coach Vic Sooto, who pinned a letter saying goodbye. Um, so he uh, moves on. We've also heard reports about Clay McGuire, USC's offensive line coach, moving to Washington State. That hasn't been confirmed. His Twitter bio uh, still says that he's USC's offensive line coach, but it sounds like behind the scenes he does have another opportunity lined up. He got picked up to to go to the airport by a Washington State alum. So I'm going to say that... Eh. Hey, you never know if it's cousin. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You never know. Speculating. Yeah, okay, yes. But I'm just saying, officially, that's where we stand. I know a lot of people want to know what is the status with Dante Williams. Gentlemen, what do you believe is going to happen with him? 
Yeah, I think. Uh, did you put the? Uh, I have a question up there. I think. If you oh want. yes, yeah. I can do that if you as well. Put that up, just you know, for sure, sure, sure. fan interaction. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when we originally were talking about this, it was like he's a no-brainer. Like you want to keep him should be a priority. Now I've said on the record, you know, many times, you hire an alpha head coach and you let him do whatever the hell he wants. You like if he wants to fire everyone, if he wants to keep everyone, he's you've hired him to do a job. He's good. Let him do what he wants. The more that's gone on, it's and just the way the season sort of deteriorated, um, and you bring in a guy that's like an ace Southern California recruiter in Lincoln Riley anyway, it seemed like okay, well then this might not happen. And just the you know reading the tea leaves, it's it's my guess now is that no one is going to be retained from the current staff. And like I said, I, there's a lot of guys on the staff that I like, but um, just the way things went, it seems like Lincoln Riley is going to want to come in and really start fresh. It's, this is a rebuild. He thinks he can do it fairly quickly, and I kind of agree that, that this can happen just because you're not – it's not the SEC. You're in the Pac-12, and I know Utah's good, and you know, but he can come in and do some great things, and if you catch a couple breaks, you can win the Pac-12 in year one. It might take till year two, but I feel like he needs to start fresh, and keeping guys held over from the Clay Helton era, um, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, you feel got, you know, guys like Robert Steiner comes in from Notre Dame and gets his first head strength and conditioning job. Uh, we didn't really get it. It's hard to evaluate that stuff. We talk about it all the time. He's followed Clay Helton. He's going to be at Georgia Southern now. So uh, they tweeted that out today. So guys will, will get jobs some places, but if you find them going to if a lot of these assistants, if they end up at places like Georgia Southern, um, you're like, why was this guy the head coach at USC if he's now the head coach at Georgia, Georgia Southern? It was just because USC, like I said, USC lowered the bar. So my gut is, Keely, long answer, because that's what we do here. Um, I think the whole staff is going to be let go at some point eventually, and then Lincoln Riley just brings in all of his guys. I don't know if you guys feel differently. but Shoddy? I mean, that's what we've heard the most probably right now. Uh, there's no names that are floating out there like, ooh, this is a guy that you know they'd like to keep or anything like that. Um, Dante Williams did sit down, have a sit-down interview or sit-down meeting with Lincoln Riley after Riley was hired. Um, the fact that there's been no announcement or anything and the fact that we know that Dante Williams has, you know, there's been interest for Dante Williams from other schools. Sure. Um, you know, someone actually asked, uh, would he stay on as a as player, develop, player uh, director of player development or something like that? It's like, no. Would USC hire him for that? Sure, if they could. Yeah. But he's not going to stay. Why would he do? Why would he go from being an interim coach, being a position coach, to taking an off-field position? Like that's not going to happen. Um, so you know, if someone offers him a defense coordinator title or something like that, then he may go somewhere else, uh, and USC won't actually have to fire him. So that'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out, uh, because you know, there's contracts involved too. If he goes somewhere else, then I think it. You know, no one has to pay anything. I don't think there's a lot of assistant coaches have buyouts where they. They have to pay any money to leave, so uh, you know USC maybe that maybe that's why we haven't heard many announcements. USC's waiting to see if other people get jobs, even even though they've let them know we're not going to be retaining you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, as far as the timing with early signing period, are you expecting Lincoln Riley to have his full staff together by the fifteenth next week, uh, or do they roll into the early signing period with some positions not fully staffed? Yeah, I think uh, so. Gerard Martinez did a piece um, with uh, Lincoln Riley had uh, dinner with the Brown family, um, and so you, that's a pretty remarkable. Another thing you can go, you know, up there and read. But you know, they said that there was a mix, and there's still support staff people from USC there. So I think it's going to be a mix of 
the assistant coaches that Lincoln Riley has brought in to be recruiters and also the USC's existing recruiting support staff. So I think that's what they're going to go with now. We might get a hire or two, um, maybe over the weekend, maybe before, you know, before the signing period, but I don't think the staff is going to be fully put together. I think they're focused a lot on, there's guys that are going to be around that he's been working on. Maybe they don't have contracts yet. Um, and then you go kind of go forward with, uh, trying to sign all the guys first. And then I think in the coming weeks after that, we'll find out who the whole staff is. I don't expect it to be done by Wednesday. Well, USC's not announcing any of the hires yet. So we know Grinch is going to be there. We know, um, you know, the Simmons is going to be there. Those guys have been on campus and everything. Um, But besides that, Roy Manning, the the DB's coach, he's been involved with recruiting guys. Um, uh, Tulsa's offensive line coach, Zach Hansen, uh, his wife, Annie Hansen, who was the director of recruiting at uh, Oklahoma, those were both on campus for the recruiting event that USC had. So there's some things being worked out behind the scenes as far as the contracts, the background checks, yeah. all that stuff that takes a little bit of time. They're but, probably working, but just not yeah. like not signed or whatever. So they have about a little bit over half the staff or around half the staff you know, kind of filled right now, but getting everything kind of finalized, that's not going to happen necessarily uh, this week, but those guys are already working for USC. So filling out the rest of the staff, the quicker, the better, obviously. Now, once you pass early signing period, then there's kind of a little bit of a lull where, you know, it doesn't matter if you immediately sign the people in the first, the next week or whatever, you get that higher, but there's a lot of stuff to work on during that time. You're still going to have recruiting stuff. You're still going to have, you know, you have the all American bowls and stuff like that. And there's guys that are going to be announcing at the all American bowl. So you got to try to close those, but there's also, just getting to work on all the organizational stuff you got to do at USC. All right, where's our recruiting boards? Where's this? Where's that? Where where do we see this person? You know, what can we get them to work on? You know, when winter workouts start, what what do we need these guys to do? We need them to go up, way down. All those organizational things have to be figured out too. So the quicker you can get your, all your guys in, the full staff, the the better because it just gives you more bodies, more minds, more uh, more guys to, to work through all that. Yeah, as teams drop off, they play their bowls too. There's more assistants that, you know, if there's an assistant that wants to go True, through the bowl point. game, you know, there's like, so there's more of that too. So it's not necessarily like you have to have the whole staff together now. If it's guys coming over from Oklahoma, that makes sense. But if you're getting someone, you know, if you're going to go hire – uh, like a Notre Dame assistant, like, well, you know, he's got a big bowl game getting ready. You know, you might want to wait till after that's over. Mm-hmm. I didn't see this at the top, but you, y'all know the drill. Put your questions, comments, concerns, wherever you're watching. You know, I'll try to watch them here and I'll put them, we'll put yeah, them up on the we're screen. Putting them up as well. So we got a lot of people watching live. Hit the like buttons. No, thank you so much for This is crazy. It's like a Wednesday show. We don't even do our Wednesday. All these people watching. It's so crazy, crazy. the excitement, people are excited about USC football again. It's crazy. That's a good thing. I also have a suspicion that some people are hate watching. Maybe from the state of Oklahoma. Not sure, but we I had that early it. on. Do you think yeah. that's still happening? I oh, see some of it mis- in the comments. Mystery is doing it. Yeah. Mystery? Mystery. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mystery. Oh. It's a mystery, it. guys. Oh, got it. Okay. Got it. <laughs> now, I know we're not uh, transfer portal experts, and I don't know how you could be because there's so many names in the portal, but how, I guess, quote unquote, fertile is the portal right now? And do new doors open because you have a guy like Lincoln Riley coming from Oklahoma where you can kind of attract more people? Yeah, it's pretty fertile. Um, I don't think a lot of commercials are terrible, right? But the the Dr. Pepper ones, the, the, the transfer portal one is actually kind of funny. It's like, Rico's time is now, and he jumps into the transfer portal. Like, you're seeing a lot of that stuff happening. Uh, in the transfer portal and, you know, USC had some guys in there. There's, you know, some veteran guys that probably weren't going to be, you know, have a huge role on the team going forward. It's sort of like clearing out some of that. I mean, we've seen coaches do uh, a tremendous amount of this. 
Um, but you know, when a big name comes in, I think LSU had a top wide receiver or something, or I can't remember what it was. The top tight end. Top tight end, like going to the portal and like, oh, he's he might go to Arkansas. Oh. There's there's destinations where like people and we're, and if you look at twenty four seven sports, like well, crystal ball where guys are going to go and stuff like that. So yeah, it's when you see like you want you follow some of the national recruiting people and then they'll post, oh, this guy's in the transfer portal. They're like, oh, oh, a left tackle. Yeah, USC could use a left tackle. So yeah, you sort of just like it's you know holiday season, right? Like a little Christmas time. You're you're looking for like those presents under the tree, and I'm, Lincoln Riley's adept at at finding those guys, and it's not easy. Um, USC sort of missed out on a lot of the the offensive line window when they didn't have an offensive line coach during like the the, the heated season, like during the holidays. Uh, I think they're going to be on top of that stuff now. So they're they'll be recruiting the high school players well, but they're definitely going to be monitoring that transfer portal. Uh, correction, I thought you were referring to so uh, their quarterback, I believe it was Max Johnson, went into the portal. LSU's did, oh. um, and then his younger brother is the number one tight end in the nation. He decommitted from LSU. I thought that's what you were oh, okay. No, um, no, Arkansas did get a wide receiver from Oklahoma, though. Oh, okay, Jay Hazelwood, yes. who is the former number one uh, wide receiver in his class. Uh, there's another wide receiver from Oklahoma in there, and there's been discussions about the potential of Marvin Mims going in there. Uh, and you look at Hazelwood, you said USC could use a, you know, a big bodied receiver, uh, but he ends up at Arkansas. So we'll see that, you know, last year, every time we looked and saw, oh, someone from Texas is in the portal, we're like, oh, yeah, USC. He ends up at USC. Let's, see, let's see if he goes to USC. Now you see Oklahoma, and you're like, let's see if he goes to USC. Um, and then some of the, you know, any of the local kids that have left the area, are any of them going to come back? So that that's something we're keeping our eyes on as well. The, you know, Keely, you asked how spicy it was. I'm going to put it at about a, a Fresno chili right now. Oh, okay. You know? Where's that, that on the, the Scoville scale? <laughs> yeah, where, where is Scoville that? scale? Is that right? The Scoville? Yes, correct. Scoville scale. Oh, pretty I don't good. dabble in spice. I don't. Uh, yeah, the transfer portal stuff is definitely interesting because there's all, uh, you know, but there's reasons people go into the portal. And there's sometimes it's the player, sometimes it's the coach. When you have a situation like USC had uh, last year, where you had several coaches that were familiar with the state of Texas, the recruits in the state of Texas, and the actual program, the University of Texas, two coaches coming from there, uh, Todd Orlando, Craig Nivar, they can vouch for those players because they've been in the locker room. If they're if that's a cancer in the locker room, they're not going to bring him to the new school. No. So, uh, and this is going to be the same sort of situation where obviously Lincoln Riley's vetted the players that are on the Oklahoma roster because he recruited them and he put them there and their staff knows them. So if they get a player, you kind of, it's kind of gives you an extra boost, right? Like if you get a player from Oklahoma, you know, he's not going to be a problem because if he was, you would have left them on there. You're like, okay, I'm going to, I, I recruited you. It was a mistake. I'm going to leave you there. But so there, you kind of have an advantage when you get a coach from another program, a big time program that has recruits and USC used that. Well, I mean, Keontae Ingram was you know, could be you know, one of the MVPs of the team if, uh, you know, outside Drake London. So I think, you know, you'll see some of that from the Oklahoma side. Uh, anyone they get, you know, at least you know they're going to be vetted. Otherwise, in the transfer portal, you're like, oh, he's a great left tackle. Well, he might have been a problem at the, the university was. So there's a reason to go in, and there's different reasons that, that, that players go in. Yeah, I've talked with multiple coaches in, in various sports that have said, usually they're in the portal for reasons. Yeah. <laughs> now, in football, that can be the position coach left, the head coach left. I'm, you know, there's always the p potential of I'm just I'm homesick, but that's what determines who minds the portal the best. Is you have to find that out. Yeah. Why is this guy in there? You got to find out from the high school coach, the seven on seven coach, or AAU coach in basketball. You got to find out why is he in there. 
you know, there's family problems going on. He needs to be closer to home. Whatever it may be, you got to find out the reason. Or is it he wasn't doing any grades and they, you know, he wasn't going to any classes and they said, you know, we're sitting you on the sidelines. So he got mad. Um, so, you know, whatever it may be, you got to figure out the exact reason why a person is going to the portal. And then you can decide, is that someone want to take? Because sometimes there's some very attractive names in the portal, but they're not an attractive guy to your program. Yeah. And that may be that may be scheme fit, you know. That may be also a personality fit or locker room fit. Yeah, it's a good call by you, Shadi. Um, one of the questions we've received a lot on social media, on the boards, everything. Justin Flo, is that a possibility that he could come to USC? If he goes in the portal, you would think USC would be probably the, the number one destination. Well, let's wait until he goes in the portal, though. Um, you know, it, it, there's no use in speculating on whether someone's going to go in the portal. Yeah. Yeah. Once they hit the portal, we have the name, you know, we have access to to the names when they go into the portal. So once they go in, then we can discuss them. No use in speculating on it. Just does no good. You got to find some sort of tie, right? And if you're going to, if you want to speculate there, you want some tie. So if it's like, well, okay, he came from Oklahoma. Okay. Well, Lincoln Riley coached him. So that, that makes sense. You can speculate if, once they go into the portal. Just sure, let them yeah. go. But if it's like, it's a Southern California player that wants to come back, you know, like there's the Chris Steeles of the world, the Brew McCoys that end up somewhere else. You're like, well, obviously if they want to come home, then USC is a destination for that. And now even more so. So yeah, if there's players that are from the area, whatever, things like that, then, uh, you know, you can guess, but we don't know. Like Shotgun said, he's not in the portal yet. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple more things for me until we dive into questions. First off, I feel like we should give Drake London his due right before uh, the show started. He declared for the draft, not a surprise there, but the things he was able to do in eight games this season, only we wish we could have covered him for 12, but uh, what were your, your thoughts? Because you guys have seen many USC receivers. Where does Drake London rank? Yeah, we actually were on a different call before this talking about, you know, is he the greatest? You know, he's he's up there for sure. I mean, this the body, the what he was able to do. Uh, I mean, he's still seven and a half games is what he played. And he still led the, the Pac-12 in catches and, and receiving yards. And he's the offensive player of the year in the Pac-12. And I mean, yes, there wasn't like great candidates. There's some good running backs and stuff, but he was just by far and away the best thing that the Pac-12 had for an offensive. You know, USC was unwatchable after he goes down, right? And then who the, is the best thing around? And so he's still the offensive. For that to happen is crazy. He made the Bolitnikov final, you know, top 10 list or whatever. Um, yeah, he's he's just a special, special player. So congrats to him. Thought there might be some, maybe like, oh, maybe I want to stick around. No. No, there's no way. He shouldn't have stepped. There's no way he should have. If, if someone said, hey, stick around, college is fun. No, go go make your money. Um, but he could have had a lot of fun in this uh, offense. But, I mean, he, had, he was in a bad offense and had a lot of fun and made a lot of catches. But Lee, I think the thing is, like, leading the nation in contested catches, which I think he still does, even though um, it, it – I could it, look it up. But, but I yeah, so. so I don't think that's what you want. Like that, that's like okay, I can do this, but I would rather <laughs> be able to be open, you know. And it's not like it's because he was running bad routes; he just wasn't in a very good scheme. So yeah, kudos to him. Uh, he was a, a just a delight to cover. He was a great and and I'll give USC props. Like a lot of these guys have just been really good people, and just you're, they're great young men. Uh, and they're something. If you're a USC fan, they're they're people you can root for, and yeah. uh, hopefully you root for him, like you root for Michael Pittman or Amon Ross St. Brown in the NFL, because. 
He's going to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. Another guy who announced his future was Jalen McKenzie. Uh, he is leaving for the NFL draft. Shadi, what does that mean for USC's offensive line going forward and maybe the question mark still lingering? I mean, it's not good for, for them, uh, you know, just because you lose the experience. And, you know, I will go back and forth with people that, that denigrate the players for, you know, making a decision like this. You, I, there, the, this year is not the year to say that guy should never go in the NFL draft. These guys are five years into their careers. Yeah. It's not like they're. This is a third year guy, and you're like, you need more seasoning. You know how much better is he going to get at USC? That's the big question. So you know he's a guy that I don't think he'll be drafted. Maybe he will. We'll see. Uh, he's got the size. He can move pretty good. And he, he they did some stuff with his hips this off season to help him move a little bit better. And I think you saw down the stretch run he played his best football, his best football of his career. He had the final three games. He had his three best PFF grades of his career. Uh, he took back over the right tackle position and didn't let it go. Didn't have to give up a sack all season. Uh, so I think that he's got some things he can still improve on, but you know I think he's got a chance to to go, and especially with the connections of his father being yes. an NFL executive, he'll get a shot. And now he's got to make the most of it and and, and go from there. Um, but you know he's a guy that was anchoring the right side for him. He and Liam Jimmins, the right side's gone now. And if the, if Andrew Voorhees goes and Brett Nealon goes, you've got Justin Dietrich and two redshirt freshmen that got benched. That's the only players on the team that have any experience, uh, any notable experience. So then, you know, if we go worst case scenario that those two guys also decide to to leave USC, then you're looking at Mason Murphy. You're looking at maybe you get a freshman to come in, a Devin Campbell or Josh Connerly, and you can play right away. Uh, You're looking at some of those options, and it's not – there's no experience at all. So that's the biggest thing when you lose Jalen McKenzie is that he's played over 2,000 snaps of football. At USC, so that's a lot. You know, there's not a lot of guys that can give you that type of experience that you can pull from the portal. Usually, if you're playing 2,000 snaps, you're not leaving your school. Uh, so maybe they can go in the portal and get somebody. But that's the big area is that guys with experience already and experience in this style of offense and know you know when you got to hold your block for a long time, when you can get away with you know trying to just throw a guy out of the way uh, because it's going to be a quick pass. So we'll see what they can do to replace him, whether it be in the you know, the recruiting class or in the transfer portal class. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to USC's future offensive line coach, there's a lot of smoke around Bill Biedenbaugh. Uh, He hasn't announced nothing's happened there. Does that give you pause about whether that is going to happen? And if it doesn't, should USC fans be panicked? Or given the the history that USC had, you know, with Clay Helton, the Rolodex, as people like to say, or since it's Lincoln Riley, hey, maybe maybe calm the, the panic a little bit if he does not come. Yeah, I, I think a lot of USC fans didn't even know who he was. And then they were told he's like the best offensive line coach in the country, one of them. Like, oh, got to get him. And like, oh, we're not going to get him? Oh, crap. You know, like, no, it's okay. Like, I mean, Lincoln, Ry- Lincoln Riley hired him, um, you know, what, you know, kept him on staff. And, uh, you know, that's he's someone that uh, I think will be targeted for sure. Will that end up happening? Um, you know, Oklahoma moved fairly quickly, you know, and, and gets a big name, you know, to – uh, run the program on a def- defensive guy. So how is this going to work out? I mean, I think we'll have to kind of wait and see, but it's, this isn't a, a limited Rolodex where you're like, Oh man, that, that was the one coach you could get. And otherwise USC screwed. Like, no, I, I don't think that's going to be a concern. I still think that there's a chance USC ends up with beating ball. Um, obviously not as confident in it as it was a week ago, yeah. but uh, the question for me is Brent Venables is a defensive guy. Lincoln Riley runs the offense. So Beatonball had a co-offensive coordinator title. Who's calling the plays at Oklahoma next year? 
if it's not beaten ball, does he say, what the heck? I was already co-OC. I should be getting that. Um, you know, th- I think there's some some pause there to, you know, if he will stay, you, you know, are you going to give him the co-OC title and just in name? That, that could be a possibility. And can USC lure him over? But if they don't, just like you said, it's a very attractive job right now. Mm. Two years ago, three years ago, USC was not an attractive job for assistants. Now, you could look at it and be like, I can still win with that talent. I can show what I can do. But you go, is the coach going to be fired? And that's the the staff that's on there. Like, I think Vic Soto did a really good job. I think Dante Williams, when he's working with the corners, did a really good job. But you look at it and you go, you know, new guy comes in. And that's the gamble they had to take to take a yeah. job. And Vic Soto being a, you know, a guy from o- a kid from Oceanside, um, you know, he took that gamble. Unfortunately for him, he's going to go somewhere else now because yeah. they're not retaining him. But, you know, that's the thing. I think it's much more attractive now um, of a position because you know they're investing in Lincoln Riley. They know that he, that he got a bunch of money for assistance too, so there's potential of getting a pay raise for whoever you are, uh, whatever the offensive line coach is out there. So I think there will definitely be some some big-name targets for USC uh, if Biedenbaugh is not, in, ends up not being the guy. Alrighty, let's jump into some questions. It's almost the top of the hour, which is crazy. Whoa, how did Lots that to talk about, even though we're technically in the off season right now. Even though it doesn't feel like the off season, still things are are roaring in that sense. Uh, let's get a question from David, who said, "Any idea on a strength and conditioning coach?" Which we believe has already been installed. Correct? Yeah, the, the answer is Benny Wiley. He's a, he's already come over with USC. I mean, with uh, Lincoln Riley to USC, so he will be the director of football performance. I believe is the title they've given him. Um, but because of that. Robert Steiner knew that he was, you know, that he was out of a job. So I actually talked to him after the game and, you know, wished him luck and everything to see because obviously they'd already brought in their guy. So he knew what he wasn't going to be the guy. He was just not around long. I never got to talk to him. Like I never talked to Robert Steiner once. <laughs> it's it, weird. It's, it's unfortunate. That, that's another guy. The guy is like, you come in for one year. Yeah. You try to prove yourself as much as you can during the off season, but strength and conditioning is as much about building culture as anything else, uh, as well as getting the guy stronger. But so, how well did he do? How well did he do? It's hard to say, uh, and you, it's unfortunate for him that you know he wasn't able to to get a longer opportunity. And again, that's the danger of being hired by a coach that's on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Eric Dunn wanted to know the status of Damani Jackson and Elias Ricks. Uh, if you follow Greg Biggins, he tweeted a picture over the weekend of them on campus at USC, which caused a ruckus for USC <laughs> fans. They were all a flur. Uh, I don't even know what that means, but a flutter. <laughs> a flutter. Thank you. Thank you. All a flur. All a flur. Uh, what were your takeaways from that? And, and what are the prognosis for those two recruits? That'd be big. All a flur. Like a, all a, flur. a French hockey player. He could have waited like a week to, you know, and it's, Stayed committed, I guess. How long was he decommitted? Like a, a couple weeks or something? Or oh, Damani, yeah. uh, it's been a couple weeks, I think. Yeah, couple a couple weeks. weeks, yeah. Um, huge, huge news for USC if they can potentially get both of those guys because Chris Still, we assume, is going uh, to leave USC. Isaac Taylor Stewart told me he's 50 50 after the game. Uh, so as he come back, if they're not there, you're going to see what you saw to begin that Cal game. Freshman Prophet Brown, true freshman, and true freshman Kalen Bullock. Now there's a couple other guys in between there that were banged up, but you know it, it, there's no experience again yeah. at that position. Um, so you know if you can bring in Elias Ricks, obviously has a ton of experience, and Damani Jackson bringing him back in the class, big time five star, number one cornerback in the in the country. So two huge recruits at a position of need for USC right now. I like it. We had an interesting question from Coley, who said, "With the arrival of Riley, what Pac-12 foe does this affect the most?" 
So I think there's a couple different levels here. Um, one, and this sort of, you know, with Mario Cristobal leaving, I mean, Oregon for sure, just as far as recruiting goes, because no one was recruiting Southern California better than Oregon. And obviously, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley comes in. I almost said Mike Riley. Lincoln Riley comes in. I, I, every time I see Coach Riley on the board, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, Mike, Riley. Mike Riley's been around for a long time. Yeah, it's going to impact the way Oregon recruits. Now, that was if Mario Cristobal stayed there. He's gone, and now they got to see who you're going you're gonna to hire there. Whoever it is, it's going to be that pipeline from Southern California, five-star recruits to Eugene, is going to be you know choked. The, you know, the, the flow is going to be much, much less. Uh, but I would say overall, it's probably going to be UCLA that you know built some momentum. You had three losing seasons with Chip Kelly, uh, eight and four this season. Now he doesn't recruit at that level, but now that they're winning, would he try to recruit some of the local four and five star talent? He just hasn't done that. He's done a lot of like our kind of guys thing. Uh, really upset UCLA fans. They they want to see UCLA compete for recruits like Jim Mora did, and uh, to a certain extent, you know Rick Neuheisel. Um, you want to see that happening, and they weren't. But that's going to be, you know, UCLA was able to get two wins over in in the four years of uh, Chip Kelly over Clay Helton teams the first year and the last year. It's going to make that a lot more difficult. And for UCLA, you know, they haven't been to Rose Bowl forever and all that stuff, or, you know, won a Rose Bowl a really long time. But beating USC is like kind of makes the season for a lot of the Bruins fans sometimes. It's going to be a lot harder to do that, I think, with Lincoln Riley, who's bringing in a lot of talent. So I, I think overall, like Arizona State's going to be impacted. And Utah's going to keep their guys and and do the same thing, but I think UCLA, like team wise, just be in the same city, and then Oregon, as far as like their lifeblood has been recruiting Southern California, that's going to be a lot harder. The answer is the eleven other schools, <laughs> because Fair. it ups the ante. USC is invested heavily in this yes. hire and the assistant coach hires and everything else. There's talk of facility upgrades, and that just forces everyone around you to you know. To either follow along, follow suit, and you know invest in their program, or get left behind. Yeah. Now you could say, well, USC traditionally leaves the rest of Pac-12 behind as well, but there's usually teams that are competing with them, and so you're going to see Oregon is going to spend, Washington will spend, UCLA should spend money. Like they should be trying to keep up with USC, and if USC puts a hurt on a couple teams, then I think that's what motivates a, a team to do it. You know, like when you lose 62 to 33. You know, suddenly you're motivated to go out and spend, you know, $10 million or whatever it is on a coach per year. I yeah. don't know if, if any school in the Pac-12 has done that recently or not. But No, it's funny. I, I, uh, before the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas, George Klyovkov had a press conference and uh, a couple of questions were about uh, USC hiring Lincoln Riley. I got to ask him a question about it too. And he did talk about, you know, it's, it's great for the Pac-12, the investment that USC made, but it's going to be up to the other programs to make similar investments and try to do, you know, and try to be competitive at that level. So he felt it could raise the bar for all the programs. And I, I think you're right. I think it does. We had a question from Fritz on Facebook who said, what's going to happen with the GAs, QCs, and other football support staff members? Will they be kept? So it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, usually your recruiting staff, your support staff that are doing the recruiting stuff, uh, some of those people will be retained. You know, oftentimes the director of recruiting or, you know, whatever the, the top person that they really trust, you know, may follow them. We've seen that occasionally. And Annie uh, uh, Hansen is apparently coming to USC. So expect her to take over a role in the recruiting. But Gavin Morris's, Armand Hawkins, uh, Marshall Sherrington, those type guys, the, they've been recruiting all day. They were at the recruiting event and everything mm -hmm. like that. Now your your QAs, your your analysts, uh, 
your GAs, all that, that becomes a little bit more murky. Um, the analysts, particularly, usually those guys are gone. Uh, the GAs, the student assistants, those often are kept on, but it just kind of depends if, you know, yeah. if, if someone has someone in mind already, if there's a family member that can sometimes happen, you know, someone like Taylor Mays, you would expect them to want to keep, why not keep an all American on, yeah. on a uh, staff, but you just never know until it kind of all shakes out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We got a question on Facebook from Alan who said, Pac-12 Commissioner Kliakos says our conference will move to eight games at the Big Ten does the same. Why do we care about what other conferences do? So um, I wouldn't put it that way. I mean, there's the alliance now. Uh, but when we talked to Kliakos on Friday before the championship game, I mean, he's trying to maximize the opportunity for playoff appearances. And if they change the, the selection scenario, um, if you want to get the, you know, the highest ranked you know, highest ranked team to win the conference, or you don't want a division winner to win that's, you know, got a whole bunch of losses, you're going to change. They're going to change the structure. So they will get rid of divisions if they have to do that. They will go down to eight conference games. And he had some aggressive stuff to say about scheduling where he doesn't think you should schedule games 10 years out and stuff. You should be able to like rotate things. We saw during the pandemic games happen in, in hours, like, you know? Um, and so I wouldn't say he's trying to follow the big 10. They're in an alliance with the big 10. It, it wouldn't make sense. Uh, to go to eight if the Big Ten wasn't doing it, but they're it's going to be they're going to be in lockstep because they're going to try to do what's best uh, to uh, you know to allow the conference to be successful at the top. Larry Larry Scott was parity, everyone the same. George Klyovkov knows like we want our best teams to be able to do well, and if someone comes from the bottom and becomes the best team, Utah's going to the first Rose Bowl. That's great, but we're not going to inhibit uh, the the blue blood programs in the conference because we're trying to make Oregon State and Washington State as competitive as possible. Like they know they have to make a conference, you know, these these conference championship games to go to the college football playoff. So, I think that's where the focus is. They're also a part of that alliance with yeah. the ACC as well, so, you know, they want to be in line with each other. Um, and then you don't want to be the only one doing something that's actually hurts the conference because you just you lose that many, you know, you lose six wins potential when you have an extra conference game because yeah. you're going to be playing your own conference. So your conference as a whole, you know, six teams are taking a loss. So that's the difference there. Whereas the SEC has New Mexico State coming in the week before Thanksgiving, you know, the Pac-12 is playing a rivalry game or whatever it may be. So that's where it is. You know, if it, the with the expansion of the SEC, there had been talk about the SEC potentially going to nine conference games. If that if the SEC does that, then I think you would see the, the Pac-12 stay put and, you know, potentially the ACC join instead of going the other way. Mm -hmm. um, we're reaching the top of the hour. So if you have some burning questions that you want answered, put them in now. We'll be sure to answer them. Speaking of burning questions, we have gotten so many questions oh. about Caleb Williams and his. Oh. Uh, this is actually different. Oh, sorry. Different. Uh, yeah, sorry, you put quarterback. But we have gotten a ton of uh, questions about Caleb Williams and could he transfer to USC? Sure, he could. Why don't we just wait until he enters the transfer okay, portal? Okay, other though? than shotgun, Ryan, do you think? Uh, do you want to know what happens if he transfers in? What happens? Every other quarterback on the roster is gone. Yeah. And people are going to say, well, they don't want to compete. Why am I going to try to compete with a guy that I know is already going to win the job? I'm going to go somewhere else and compete where I think I actually have a chance to win the job because if Lincoln Riley is bringing his quarterback with him who already has experience in his system that just beat out an older player in his system – that's who he's going to pick. Yeah. There's no good. There's not going to be any battle. So Jackson Dart and Miller Moss will both transfer. USC will have one scholarship 
uh, quarterback on the roster unless they can get some a freshman may come in to follow behind him because he's not in that same class. But otherwise, you're going to lose all the quarterbacks that are on, the scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Yeah, you probably have to bring multiple transfers if you you bring them in. But that and then, again, and he's then not, who's the second transfer that's going to want to come in? Why am I going to transfer somewhere to go sit behind Caleb Williams? Yeah, I think if he goes into the portal, it's going to be. I mean, I think you you bring in Brett Venables. It's a big name, and something is like okay, uh, you know, this is worth looking at. Like this is a you know one of the top defensive minds in college football. He's going to be running the program. Now the quarterback that can make, give you some pause, you know, um, you know, Devin Brown was the quarterback commit for USC was very close to Graham Harrell. You bring in a great offensive mind like uh, Lincoln Riley, but it wasn't really fitting what Devin Brown wanted to do. So that wasn't a match. You have to see if this is going to be a match for Caleb Williams. He might, you know, have some time to kind of think things over and go to the portal. And if he does, maybe he ends up at USC, maybe he ends up somewhere else, but um, you know, he's not in the portal yet. So I think this is something, you know, it, it probably won't happen till early next year if he goes in at all, but we'll, we'll probably get more information about it going forward. I mean, it, if USC, you know, if Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams calls him up and says, Hey coach, I'm thinking about this. It, I'm just saying it's a dangerous gamut. Caleb Williams, extremely talented, but what if he gets injured? You could be down. You're going to be down to either a freshman or a walk-on, probably. So uh, maybe you get an experienced guy like Mo Hassan, who's going to come in and you know is expected to be a backup. But that's pretty rare. So um, I think it's a dangerous gambit if he does end up coming to USC. Yeah, it's tough. There's a lot of programs that have like two guys on scholarship, and you'd rather not if you don't have you know. Yeah. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks who could enter the portal, what about Ohio State's Quinn? I always botch this because I want to say my last name. Yours? Yours? <laughs> How do yours, you say it? Yeah. Yours, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know. He was a kid that comes out. What was he out of Texas and had yep. like big NIL deal? Yep. So I'm at Lead 11. Uh, he reclassified, actually, which is very rare in fo uh, football. We've had a couple questions about that with Makai Lemon and uh, Malachi Nelson as well, which I do not believe that will happen. No, I Again, didn't. very rare. It happens a lot more in, in basketball just because of where the season is placed uh, and sometimes in baseball, but very rare for it to happen in football because you have to basically skip a whole year, which JT Daniels did. Um, but it, it is something that doesn't happen very often. And I, I think that when you're looking at, at that, um, I lost my whole train of thought here. Go oh, with uh, uh, Quinn. Uh, oh, Ewer. Quinn Uris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he reclassified, went to Ohio State, makes a bunch of money on the NIL, takes a couple of snaps, I think. But it was interesting that he would even do that because C.J. Stroud looked like he was going to be, a, you know, from the spring game and everything else, looked like he was going to be the guy, looked like he was pretty talented. When yours decides to go anyways, and now he sees, oh, CJ Stroud is the guy. I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be probably two more years before, you I know, I get there. a chance. So he's like, all right, I'm going back or I'm taking off. And he's probably landing somewhere in the state of Texas. He's probably just going back home, whether it be at the University of Texas, Texas Tech. There's a couple other programs down in that area. I don't know. Maybe he didn't like the cold either. I don't yeah. like the cold. Oh, we got a question from Sorry. Um, from, hi, Sorry. How are you doing? No. Uh -oh. <laughs> That's such a dead joke, Ryan. <laughs> uh, we got a question from Chris who really wants this question answered. He said, what okay. happens to an unwanted scholarship player? If the player does not want to transfer, uh, can USC convert their scholarship to a stipend, uh, to a non-academic one, and free up that scholarship? Technically, no. Yeah. You're not allowed to push someone out. That's why what actually happens in that conversation is, hey, we don't think you're the best fit. This is where we see you on the depth chart. We think it's best for you to go look for playing time somewhere else. We can even suggest a couple places potentially that we think might be a good landing spot for you. But we know you want to play football. 
we know you're not just here to for the academics. We want you to go and be successful somewhere else. That's how the conversation probably goes, rather than, hey, buddy, you got to go. Yeah. It's it's not that way. It's like, hey, you're not going to play. You're going to blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes kids can medically retire and stay on scholarship. Yeah, there's there's games that can be played, but, you know, yeah. It's a it's a it's a behind the closed doors sort of thing that was happening. Sometimes schools try to get kids to medically retire. I think it was Jalen Phillips that UCLA tried to medically retire, yeah. uh, or maybe it was uh, the linebacker that was coming to USC, and I'm forgetting his name, Mike Juarez. Um, but he ended up transferring and going somewhere else, uh, and was able to play. I think it was Jalen Phillips. I think because he had a neck injury and yeah. went to same, similar to um, Jarvis the, Jones. Jarvis Jones, yeah. Who ends up going to Georgia because USC wouldn't clear him medically? He goes and to Georgia, he, and he's like all SEC or something. <laughs> but, then, but then when he went to the NFL, you know the the medical ended up hurting him there. So. Yeah, so he didn't he yeah. didn't last that long. It was Steelers, I think, right? Or, yep. Yeah. We got a question from Eddie who said, "Is the modern day pipeline back up and running? Is USC grabbing all four major modern day twenty twenty two stars plus Ricks?" Well, that would be interesting because I believe all four of them. Uh, well, no, three of them are committed elsewhere when Lincoln Riley gets tired. Now, Raleigh Brown has flipped. C.J. Williams is still committed to Notre Dame. And D and and uh, David Bailey actually committed this past weekend. Sorry, so it was only two to begin with, but he committed to Stanford. Yeah. The next day, he goes to USC for a recruiting event. So we'll see how that one plays out. That one can be really interesting. Damani Jackson, it's USC and Alabama. Hard to beat Nick Saban. You know, he's putting a, a ton of cornerbacks into the league. So we'll see what they can do there. And if you can get him and Elias Ricks, then, yeah, I would say the modern-day pipeline is up and running full steam ahead. Yeah, the, the, the right answer is yes. You're going to take that wrench and just completely open it up, <laughs> and it's going to be flowing. Uh, USC fans Troy. are hoping so. Yeah, I think so. I know you got Nick Saban versus Clay Hilton. The scales might go like this. Nick Saban versus Lincoln Riley in his home turf. You know, that's a little closer. So, yeah. Dwayne wanted to know, do you think alternate uniforms are on the table? Mm, probably not. The traditionalists I don't need think to close that, their ears. Yeah, I don't I mean I don't think that's uh like Lincoln Riley's not coming in like, yeah, we're gonna do alternate uniforms and go crazy. Like, I don't think that's he likes the tradition that's there. I think he wants to build on that. I don't think it's gonna be let's try to be Oregon. Um so. when, did, when did Oklahoma start using going with the non traditional? Did they do that? Or uh, were the cream ones? I don't think the cream ones were ones that they had had in the 80s or anything. So Yeah, maybe. I, I, but I think that was with Stoops before him. So I don't think yeah. he necessarily has changed. I'd have to stuff. go back and look, but I don't think that was something he was like uh, champion or anything. So he, he seems to like the tradition at USC. So if, probably not, but I don't know. Who knows? We got a question uh, on Facebook that Ryan put up, not me. He said, Urban Meyer to Oregon, question mark? It's just so fun to talk about Urban Meyer going to another school that's not USC. Um, but that, <laughs> it seems like Phil Knight wants to make a splash. Uh, John Canzano is doing a good job reporting on it. Um, what's going on up there? The Lane Train, people that talked about Lane Kiffin. Uh, Canzano shot that down. Said he just got a contract extension and signed it. So. Yeah, it's like it's pro that's probably not going to happen. Um, there was one other one that he like brought up that it wasn't, but Chip Kelly, uh, yeah, Chip, the people. Chip Kelly one. Yeah. So, which that would have been really fun. Uh, obviously like if Chip Kelly goes back to Oregon, but it seems like Gonzano was saying that's probably not going to happen either. So sorry for UCLA fans that wanted to get rid of your coach. Um, the, the Urban Meyer thing, like, I think Oregon is a little like, it, it's not it's the most conservative place. I think you would have to be a little bit more conservative place to try to hire Urban Meyer. Like he's. There's there's rough around the edges, right? So I just don't. He'd be 
killer, right? I mean, he would just crush it there. Um, that probably that would be bad news for USC if Urban Meyer went there. Like that sort of like takes some of the wind out of USC sales. But I don't think they would go there. But it seems like Phil Knight is trying to make a big splash. He's 82 or 83 years old. He wants to see them win a title. They've invested so much into that program. So I think they're going to spend. Uh, LSU like wanted Lincoln Riley bad. They wanted to make a big splash. And they're like, we can't get him. Notre Dame, like, like, let's go get to another big name. So I kind of feel like Oregon's going to try to make as big of a hire as possible. But, yeah, we'll see. Uh, David on YouTube wanted to know, uh, was letting uh, Vic Soto go, will that mess up the poly pipeline that SC is known for? I mean, USC has a ton of Polynesian players right now. Um, I think that – I think personally you need to have a Polynesian coach um, at USC. You know, I've said this before, when you're creating a staff, you need a well-rounded staff in whether it's a yeller versus a coddler, um, you know, different ethnic uh, races, different things like that. Uh, even if different height, might as well just mix it up. You can't have all like offensive line guys. You can't have all like six, five, 300 pound coaches. You need some <laughs> small guys too. But you need like the fiery guy. You need the guy that's going to yeah. put his arm around a, a player. But I think you also you need the guy need... that's going to scare the crap out of you if he's yeah. walking by your locker like, oh, he's here. I, I better. But I think you also need to be able to connect background wise and the Polynesian culture, the background is huge there. You know, culture is huge in, in that community. So I think you need that because of the heritage that USC has with Polynesian players. So I think you would like to have a Polynesian coach on, on staff if you're a USC. Ryan? Uh, you know, I think you, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, they're probably going to have support staff people. There, there's going to be players. I think there's a good community. Um, you know, at USC already for like Polynesian players, it's it's great. There's a lot of a lot of people, but you know, you do want some of that representation too. Someone that's actually on the staff. I get that, but I think if you didn't have one, you know, just for whatever reason, um, I think the community is pretty strong already, so they could probably get by. But I mean, ideally, yeah, it'd be nice to. to have yeah, and I thought one. defense line was a, a spot where that could be, but apparently not. Yeah. We had a question from Sergio on Facebook who said, what are you guys most excited for with this new coaching staff? Fan interest. <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. Like for our jobs, it's been really, you know, you know Crimea River, like whatever, you cover football for a living. But yeah. like <laughs> it's, you know, it's when we would like, oh, write a story about USC got a visit from this guy. And then everything would we hear is like, well, it doesn't matter because Clay Alton's head coach. And you put a lot of work in the stuff. You know, Shotgun, Keeley do film study. We'll write – 4,000 word war rooms and there just wasn't the kind the same kind of interest that there is right now I mean like if you just look at the show like our YouTube page we have over a thousand people watching live just on YouTube alone you know and that's great like we're we're doing this for you guys we 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 love it we you know we enjoy what we're doing but there just wasn't the kind of fan interest and people became very apathetic late in the Clay Helton era and you start to wonder like is USC football as big of a deal as it, as it was? Maybe it wasn't. And I never believed it wasn't, but it's reassuring and you kind of get validated. You're like, okay, all they had to do was like hire somebody good, like just someone that was good at their job and the fans would come back because they knew, they knew that USC was hiring cheap. They weren't hiring good people and they were doing it for the wrong reasons. And now they've brought someone in for the right reason because he's a good coach and he's going to win. And so I think that's what the fans wanted to see, and that's why they're coming back in droves. So, yeah, fan interest, 100% is what I'm most excited for. Mm -hmm. Offensive creativity. Yeah, that's cool, too. Um, you know, especially in the last, since 2014, I think, is when I started charting every play. So 
crazy. Um, you know, I've got a lot of data on on stuff, but there just hasn't been that necessarily that creativity. So watching every play and seeing, you know, a lot of the same stuff and you see how it works, how it doesn't. And then going and doing some research on Lincoln Riley and watching some of the breakdowns of his stuff and be like, ooh, that's different. That's different. <laughs> when you hear Urban Meyer when he was on the Fox show saying, he's doing stuff I've never seen before. Mm. And Joel Klatt saying the same thing. He's do- Joel Klatt, I think, called him the one of the most the most creative offensive mind that he's seen in his time. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of new wrinkles, how does he make adjustments during games, all those type of things. I'm looking forward to seeing that from Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. Should be fun. We got a question from Markel who said, will USC be able to flip C.J. Williams? It's a possibility, um, especially with the, the hire of Brian Kelly at LSU. You would think that weakens his commitment a little bit at least. Now, they kept Tommy Reese. They've kept most of the staff on, so that's going to make it a little bit tougher. And he's said that he's still committed to, to um, Notre Dame, but he's been at USC a couple of times already now for recruiting events. And I'm sure USC is going to try to get all those local guys that just had, at least especially the 2022 ones, on campus once again for this big official visit weekend. Now, they may come unofficially, but there's going to be a bunch of big official visits coming in. So I'm sure they're going to try to get those guys to come. 3802er said at the Riley Presser, he he mentioned facilities upgrade. Is there anything in the pipeline to get a football-specific gym slash locker upgrade similar to UGA or Alabama? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably going to be the plan. We don't have any specifics from that, but that's what the athletic department was uh, talking about with Lincoln Riley. I mean, it was wasn't it was pretty general as far as facility upgrades go. There's an issue with a city campus where there's just not as much space. Um, I think uh, they're they're pretty creative, and I think you might see some different things. I don't know. I mean, if there's, do you uh, you know take over the John McKay Center and make it football only, and then you're adding for other sports near the Galen Center or something there. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what you could do. Uh, they might have some options, but they're. I think they're going to, you know, you never thought the University Village would happen. Like, that was, you know, that was crazy. Like, that was this huge undertaking of what went on. Is it going to be something like that where you're like, you're, okay, we're going to take over another city block and just do that? I don't know, but um, we'll see. There, there's been some promises made. It seems like Lincoln Riley's thinking long-term, so I, I wouldn't expect anything soon. But uh, it'll be interesting to see over the next year or so if we get some plans and, like, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what do you miss most from the old University Village? Uh, I mean, the 3-2 market was pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, if you're, like, if the old school USC people, like, they, when I was in school, they had, like, this old dusty bathtub full of, like, like $4 booze that was just, yeah, there was, like. Back uh, in my day. <laughs> it was pretty awful. And we could buy, uh, like. You know, cases of Natty Light, I think, for like eight ninety nine or something. So it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah, wow. like they called it. Yeah, it was a three two market. They call it like third world market or whatever back when we were in school. Uh, but there was a Wendy's over there. I used to go. Sometime. Wendy's for Frosties. Wendy's Burger for Frosties King. was good. The burger. Uh, I don't know oh, if that was, was no in burger. that area. There's there was a Carl's Jr. on campus. I think it was like the busiest. Yeah, the Carl's Jr. was I think the busiest Carl's Jr. like in the country. Like the one that was on the USC campus where they. The Panda us. Express is apparently the highest grossing Panda Express in the United States. Is it really? States, yeah. apparently. That, that place crushes it. There. I know. Like, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Crazy yeah. talking need. Uh, we had a question. Speaking of restaurants, Andrew wanted to know, what mm-hmm. restaurants is Ryan recommending to Lincoln Riley? Oh, I have it. I have to. Yeah. I forgot to talk to him about that. So we'll slide see. In with I don't know where he's going to. It depends where he lives. If he get, he, he's, he's kind of a private guy. 
he's probably going to be PV. He's probably Palos Verde. So I'll have to come. I don't know that area as well. But if he's if he wants to do Manhattan Beach and he's going to come in there, yeah, I'll. I'll that's I'll a Ryan Abraham special. Yeah, right that's there. A, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ula Ula wanted to know, Ryan, how do you rate uh, Brian Kelly's fake Southern accent? That was pretty awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, like that was just that whole thing is bizarre. Like. It's never easy. Like, these are like breakups, right? Like, when you have, it is a breakup, essentially. You, know, you have a coach leave one blue blood for another. It, like, never happens, and it happened twice in two days. Um, I think if the Lincoln Riley thing happened about as clean as you could do, like, breakups are always going to be a little bit messy, you, you know. But the Brian Kelly one was just, there was just so many weird things that were happening with that one. And then him talking about family, and they're using the same, they used a promo <laughs> video that they had already shot at Notre Dame. Uh, and USC My got like family. That, that was so family. that was just so weird, you know. And there's some weird stuff like USC, like they made that Saturday Night Light skit, Saturday Night Live skit, or whatever. Like some of that stuff funny, but this was just like that just felt weird, you know. I don't know. I was like, uh, yeah, we'll see. Weird. We'll see how it works. I don't out. know if you guys saw the Rich Eisen was going to have Lincoln Riley on, and they started talking about what if he comes on and he's got a California accent, like he's like the Californians on the Saturday Night Live. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's probably. <laughs> I took the four hundred five to get here, and I was like, <laughs> I was sure I was so backed up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if Lincoln Riley comes on talking like <laughs> that, that about awesome. recruits, yeah. Yeah. you take the ten to the four. <laughs> I tried to get a four star. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, that's a that's an iconic moment on Tunnel Vision. Uh, we have a question um, from Trojan Trojan who said, "I I want to know. I thought uh, he was talking about Brandon Sasna was going to be here to answer our questions. I really want to know how high did we swing." Um, so. If you didn't miss it, if you missed our post either on the Peristyle or I put it in the subscription feed, uh, we had to move that. Brandon is obviously very busy during this time frame. They're trying to put together new staff and everything like that. So he needed to reschedule on Sunday. We're still trying to get that figured out when we're going to have him on the show. We will have him on the show, though. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll either post uh, Twitter or the subscription feed or on Peristyle to make sure you guys know when that will be happening. But yeah. that is uh, the the plan going forward. And apologies again that we couldn't get him on Sunday, even though we had promised to. So we'll, we'll We'll be sure to get him in the studio soon. Yeah. He, I mean, he's great. Like with us, I mean, obviously really crazy busy and stuff right yeah. now. The fact that he would come on with us and uh, yeah, it's great. So we appreciate Brandon. Uh, he was, you know, Mike Bowen called him the architect of the search. So uh, you, we want to see a lot of thank yous in the, the chat when Brandon comes on. <laughs> thank you for hiring him. Especially we will. The, the slander, the slander that he There was a lot of slander. Yeah. They've yeah you know, I gave him slander too, but you know, whatever. But Tro Trojan Trojan asked. What, he asked this for Brennan, but he said, "Was Riley uh, USC's first choice? Did they go? At, did you guys go after Meyer, Carroll, Saban, or Sweeney? I'm curious, who did we really go after, and was Riley really our first choice?" Yeah, I don't think he's going to be talking about stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, this you, is you like don't, you don't get into that. Well, you, you hired Lincoln Riley, which is amaze balls, right? So I think that's what he's going to be talking about. He probably uh, would knowing Brennan, he'd probably go. No, actually, Vince Lombardi was the first choice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't so. currently available. Right. <laughs> it's like it's like the reception speech at your your wedding. You're not going to talk about your exes or like people you have uh, had yeah, exactly. like, with. It's just you're going to be oh like, we married this person. That's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, like you know? reunited with the prom queen <laughs> after 10 years, yeah. but then she cheated on me. But now I'm with her. It's great. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you don't, don't do that. that. Like, yeah, you don't so. do that. No. So don't set your expectations. Before. I don't know. That sounds like a fun wedding. <laughs> Shocking, you're messy, but but no. Um, we also had a question. Uh, no, we. I thought it was funny. Someone said, "What if uh, Riley starts going fight on, dude?" So like having the the California accent. So that would uh, be good. But yeah, well, so you gotta say it slow. It's like, dude. Dude, fight, fight on, on, dude. Gosh, I can't wait for this to get clipped. If he gets all spicoli, that would be awesome. 
Yeah. Alrighty, gentlemen. Any <laughs> final thoughts before we wrap this show up? Shoddy, it's one of your last. We had people coming in and be like, what? What's happening, Shotgun? He's moving to the East Coast and we will miss him dearly. He still contribute, but he'll be doing so from the East Coast. Uh, final thoughts, gentlemen, before we wrap this one up. Julie on Facebook says, the bathtub of hangovers at the 3-2 market. Yeah, that was. I didn't know it was called the bathtub of hangovers, but I'm <laughs> wow. glad she remembered that. Thanks, wow. Julie. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, people are people are like, ooh, the three two market in the in the chat. So you brought up some memories for people, Ryan. There was like, you know, there'd be like twenty people in that liquor store and like forty cockroaches. It was just like the ratio was like, you know, was oh whatever. fine ratio. Yeah, okay. it was good. one to two. Sure. Uh, no, we appreciate. Like again, the fan interest is amazing. Like it's it invigorated us to do our jobs, and like that's what we all try to do. We just want to try to bring you the most objective, the best Trojan news, the insider stuff, all the stuff, and. uh you know, great shows, podcasts, all that. And we love doing it. And it's way better when you guys are as interested as you are. So thank you for, for doing that. Uh, and we'll, we'll keep going. I mean, just check the site this weekend, uscfootball.com. There's going to be a ton of stuff going on with the recruiting visits, you know, hiring coaches and all that. And a basketball um, game. And a basketball <laughs> game. Is it a home basketball game? Yes. Oh, I know, Shadi. Do you want a minute? Sure. USC's 9-0. and There's uh, <laughs> defeated Eastern Kentucky. They... Didn't play great, but Isaiah Mobley was fantastic. They were plus 29 when he was on the court. They were negative 17, I think, when he was off the court. He was amazing, and that was the difference. And he's really stepping into his own, which is really fun to see because he's a former five-star, kind of you know has suffered his injury right before his freshman year. His, his baby brother was there yesterday, I mean, uh, last year. So, you know, uh, he was getting all the accolades. Now he's the center of attention, and uh, I think he's really blossoming right now. So really fun to see. And it's it, he's a, he's one of about five or six guys that have improved their game so much since last year that it's really fun to see just improvement. And that's, maybe we'll see that in the football field uh, occasionally going forward. But just development. Uh, any infield in that group have done a terrific job. And 9-0 right now. They were ranked number seven in the first net rankings, which is the rankings that are used by the selection committee. That's a really positive note for USC uh, to start out with. So if they can stay there, that's a one or two seed more than likely. So we'll see if they can do that once they get into conference play. A couple more non-conference games coming up. One on Sunday at 2 o'clock. Uh, one next Wednesday. I believe it's like 6 or 7. Depending on what time USC has their signing day event, Um I'm going to go over to the arena whenever that ends, um, and maybe we'll have a little meetup for, for anybody that wants to come, since that'll be the last game that I'll be covering at Galen uh, right now. Um, but then USC goes on a little road trip to Phoenix, where they will play Georgia Tech. Really interesting matchup, just because two players on the Georgia Tech roster are former USC Trojans who transferred to Georgia Tech, uh, Jordan Usher and Kyle Sturdivant, both kids from Georgia. Then they'll travel to Oklahoma City to play Oklahoma State. And I'm actually going to follow them along. My trip to go to the East Coast, I'm going to follow uh, the basketball team. So I'll be in Phoenix. If anybody's going to be there, hit me up. Uh, let me know. Maybe I'll meet up before that one of those games as well. And then I'll be in Oklahoma City for, for that game. And then finish off the trip, make it over to, to see some family for, for Christmas time. Nice. The most shotgun way to move with the USC basketball <laughs> yeah. team. Yeah. That makes sense. Are you going to just let the bus tow you or are you going to like a <laughs> That would be gas. great. Save some Save gas. gas. Yeah, there you go. If, there they you were, go. if they were taking a bus to, to Phoenix and then Oklahoma City, that would actually be the more newsworthy portion of it. Yeah, that, yeah that's very true. All righty. Bossman, any final thoughts? When will we be back for Shocking's oh, good Farewell question. Show? Uh, Sunday, I believe. Should we do Sunday? 
He's he. Yes, I'm not going to be here Sunday. Oh, just kidding. We'll oh. be back with. Sean we'll figure it out. Episode. Yeah, we got to do a show. Um, you guys are going to do a final tunnel vision. I mean, uh, Family, Family Feud. Feud too, right? I know the send off. So we'll figure it out. And there are people asking, like, yeah. So we we're still figuring out the details. It's you know, Shotgun's going to be on the East Coast, but he'll still be involved with the site. Um, you know, I think he still wants to be. I still want him to be. So we will make sure that works out. I mean, you're not saying I still we'll want. We'll see him with the be. contract negotiations. Healy's the <laughs> boss. Yeah, you know? I mean, I have to have the final stamp yes. approval. So we'll so, see. Uh, but we will. So you know, you will still see. You know, read his stuff on USCFootball.com, and I'm sure listen to him or watch him here in some way, shape, or form. Awesome. Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. Thanks so much for everyone who tuned in, comments, the likes, subscriptions. We thank you guys so much. We love interacting with y'all, so thanks for that. That's going to wrap it up. That's Shotgun. That's Ryan. I'm Keely. We will see y'all next time. Bye. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. <laughs> Way to go, Shotty.